Welcome to the AF Mentors podcast. This is for coaches who care about impact and are ready to be pushed outside their comfort zone and into growth. You can find out more about AF Mentors at afmentors.com. Hello and welcome to this episode of the AF Mentors podcast. I'm on my own today, solo one this week, partly because I am in Texas and time zones don't massively work. I have absolutely loved having some guests on, so there will certainly be more of that. The group, the AFM group has been phenomenal recently, mainly in relation to sharing ideas and helping each other. Like I learn a ton from being in that group as well. And I think people forget how much you get from giving and from helping, not just in terms of feeling good, but also like your own confidence and consolidating your own ideas. People say that the best way to consolidate your knowledge is to teach. And I think that's definitely true. Um, Anyway, plus we have some phenomenal coaches in that group with so much to share. And I think it's a shame that potentially other, I mean, who cares? It's other mentorships. But like, I think it's a shame that we don't learn from each other more, basically, which is one of the kind of key values of AFM is that there are so many incredible brains here, not just mine, (laughs) which means that I want to learn from everyone selfishly and I want everyone to learn from everyone, which is what makes AFM great. And I will say the results from coaches in terms of building businesses have been incredible since I implemented the one-to-one element, which I think just gives that bit more direct structure especially when things need changing and I can kind of get inside the business. So for those who don't know, now when people join AFM, they do a minimum of three months one-to-one mentoring with me, basically so I can get to know them, get to know their business, get to know their goals, the ins and outs of how things are running and how things are set up and make any changes that need to be made. And this is almost impossible to do in a group setting, but once the foundations are laid the group works exceptionally well for growing. And it's taken a little bit of trial and error, but I'm actually really, really proud of AFM now. It's changed so much since I started, but it's a really good example of basically practicing what I preach when I say to people about building their coaching programs. Most people wait far too long to launch because they want things to be perfect before they start. And I get this, right? But it is impossible You're waiting for something that cannot happen, mainly because you can't know what is going to work until you start trying and figuring it out. Learning from mistakes, iterating on things, improving things, getting feedback. You cannot get feedback until you start and you can't make something great until you have feedback on it. So I had an idea for AFM and a vision, but it took a lot of trial and error and tweaking things and it will continue to do so, so that it continues to improve to make it the best program it can be to support the most coaches it can in the best way possible. You simply can't know exactly what's going to work until you start. And the longer you delay starting, the longer it's going to take to figure that out. Most people waste a ton of time, effort, and often money, not even to mention the money that they aren't making by not starting, by trying to make things perfect before they start, by wrongly assuming that they know what people will want or how things will all work out before they even start. You will get far, far better results by starting even slightly before you're ready. 
and then adapting as you go. You have to start good to get great, so get going. And if you need some help to reduce the overwhelm and make sure that you are placing your efforts where they're going to get the most out of them, that is exactly what I do. I focus your efforts to make sure that they are focused in the right places and to stop you making stupid mistakes that you don't need to make. Like mentoring doesn't mean that you don't make any mistakes. It just helps you make better mistakes. Like the obvious ones, I've made them for you, so you don't need to make them. Anyway, if you were interested in that, head to afmentors.com, book in a call with me and we can have a little chat. Another thing that I have started doing recently is sales calls, as I just said. I mean, I say sales calls, but they're basically a little chat before you sign up to make sure that we're a good fit and that I can help you. And what I've noticed is that a lot of it is simply trust. People want to know that I'm not going to take thousands of pounds off them, tie them into contracts, and then not deliver what I promised. And often people just want to hear from me or in... in your coaching business from you and to be reassured that and maybe because they've been burnt in the past maybe they've signed up to coaching or mentorship programs before that don't deliver and actually just having that okay I'm actually going to speak to this person they actually care about me they're a human I can connect with them and I close almost a hundred percent of sales calls on AFM and those I don't it's usually because we're not a good fit or often because they're not ready yet i.e they've not actually finished their personal training qualification yet. And this I'm not saying this to boast, right? I'm not particularly good at selling. At least not in the traditional in the traditional sense. Like obviously I am or I wouldn't close up almost 100% of sales, right? But not in the traditional sense that most people think of selling. So why do people sign up with me? And most people won't, won't want to hear this because it's a hell of a lot of legwork, right? But because most people are generally already sold on signing up by the time they get on the phone with me. And you should be confident on a sales call because someone is giving you their time. They they want to work with you or they wouldn't be on that call. The call is more about figuring out if we are a good fit than it is about selling in any kind of traditional sense or pressuring people or pain points. Blah. The reason that I close so many sales or that so many people sign up is more than likely the years of consistent content of authenticity, of showing up, of running multiple successful businesses for proof of the ability that I can do that, than it is any kind of sales tactics on the call. People already know me when they get on the call because they've probably listened to hours of podcasts. It's a very easy sell for me. And I walk the walk when it comes to building online coaching businesses. So that there isn't much that I need to prove. And my general approach to business is that we massively overcomplicate things. And we massively overcomplicate sales calls. Like your website likely has way too much text on it. Your messaging is probably way too complicated. And you're likely overwhelming yourself with how to do sales calls. Here's what works for me, right? It's very, very simple. There's two steps to it. I ask two uh, questions when someone gets on the phone to me and then I just let the conversation flow. So after the obvious, hi, it's Emma, how are you today? I then ask people the first question, which is, tell me a bit about your business, where it is now and then where you want it to be, right? And in a coaching setting, this might be, 
tell me a little bit about where you are now and where you want to be in relation to your fat loss goals or whatever it is they're calling you about. Then they speak for a bit and then I let them speak and maybe I offer some advice, maybe I make sure that they know that I understand what they're struggling with or where they're coming from. I mean, this is pretty easy because I'm generally usually quite interested in what's going on and how their business is run. And then I ask if they have any questions about mentoring. So you might ask, do you have any questions about coaching? And then that kind of normally probes a couple of questions or yeah, tell me a bit about that. Like, I would like to know basically how it's run. Then that gives you an opportunity to talk about how mentoring's run or how coaching works. That's it. That's it. It's real. It's authentic. I'm interested. I listen. I keep the cold brief and I keep it to the point because the real work gets done once we're started. But even if you just think about those two questions, tell me a little bit about you, where you are now and where you want to be. Great. Do you have any questions for me about coaching? That's it. You don't need to make it really complicated. I've seen like seven, eight, ten step guides to sales calls. You don't need to do all of that and people become massively overwhelmed. And then they've also got this script that they're kind of trying to half sneakily talk through as they're also trying to be authentic and listen to someone. And then you can tell when people aren't really listening to you. In fact, you can certainly tell on Zoom as well. You know, you can tell if someone's trying to read off a script. It doesn't sound good. It doesn't sound authentic. It's probably not who you are. It's probably not what you want to do. So if you're approaching sales calls, I would approach it as simply as that. There are a few questions from the group this week, so I'm going to go through these. The first one is, hey, Emma Sorry Gordon, that's me. Do you have any tips for growing podcasts other than promoting it on Instagram? I'm on episode 14 now, and I found listens have dropped off from the start, so I want to get them up. I have no idea where to start other than using Instagram. So I do have a few, but actually as I was reading this, it's something I forgot about earlier, is that also remember that your first podcast will have more listens purely because they've been up longer as well. And people often start at the start of a podcast. So it's very normal if you're comparing like episode one to episode 14, that episode one has more listens purely from a time perspective. So make sure you're not comparing that. Secondly, um, okay, first, first tip I have, make sure the content is relevant and ask people what they want. So that means things like topics, like lengths, like do you want guests on? Do you prefer Q&A episodes? Look at the stats, like are Q&A episodes doing better than topic episodes? Are you picking the right topics? When you have a guest on, does that do better? Is it that kind of podcast? Don't be afraid to just ask your clients or ask your audience what they actually want and then you can deliver that. So many people guess what people want when actually you could just simply ask the question, what is it that you want to hear? The second point would be do more of them. If you can get into people's routine and be consistent and know that, oh, I'm always going to get a podcast from so-and-so on a Monday morning or on a Friday or maybe three times a week, you know, whatever the consistency you want it to be, I would say at least weekly, but then you get into their routine a bit. Oh, I go on my walk on Monday and I always listen to this podcast. Three, remind people. So that could be a link on your story, like you say you're sharing it on Instagram. It could be that you email them. It could be that you post it directly to your clients or in your client group. Remind people to go and listen. Fourth piece of advice, especially in regards to coaching, is use topic podcasts with clients. For example, if someone's freaking out about the scale weight, obviously reply to them and calm them down, but then also say, 
I elaborate on this on this podcast. I bet I can help you get your head around the, the scale weight. Just have a listen to this. It'll get you back in the zone or whatever the topic might be. Um, number five, ask people to share it. But the point is they kind of need a reason to, right? So this means that your content has to be gold. Topic episodes are really useful for this because they place you, one, they place you as an expert on the topic and they show that you understand that you're empathetic towards it. Literally use words as well, like, I understand. It might be, I understand how you feel real, really the scale weight. I have been there or I know how you feel. Like, tell them these things. But also, if you have a really good episode on scale weight and then, like, be like, well, if this, if you found this episode useful, send it to anyone else who struggles with the scale weight or whatever the problem is or struggles with eating around shift work. If you've got any mates who are also shift workers, i.e. if you can get in with some nurses, great. Or if you've got any mates who are also busy hairdressers who never have time to sit down, great. Like, here's an episode for you. Maybe you can share it with your other friends who are hairdressers who might find it useful. I would ask for those things or, or at least prompt people to do it. Okay, second part of the question. I've been doing weekly Zoom calls with my group and I often find myself over-talking. I wanted it to be more of an interactive group where others speak and share their ideas, but sometimes when I ask if anyone has anything, no one will put their hand up, so so I find myself speaking loads to fill the silence. How can I make this more interactive? Great question. Part of this is setting kind of social norms, like of groups. And that requires a bit of intent initially. So, for example, when answering a question, ask the group as well for extra input or pick on certain people, right? And I mean that in the best way. So, for example, if you, I don't know, go to Jessie and you ask her what her week's been like and she says, I've had such bad doms, delayed onset muscle soreness, you can say oh, don't worry, that will only last a few days because of the new programming and that's completely normal and blah, blah. You give, you know, you give the whole chat about DOMS. Then you could be like, actually, Kimberly, that was happening to you. Do you remember when you started and the, the awful DOMS that you had? And she'll be like, oh, yeah, I do remember that. And I thought, oh, it's always going to be this sore, blah, blah. But don't worry, Jessie, it, it isn't always this sore, right? Then you're kind of getting the ball rolling a little bit. Or if Jessie is struggling with protein ideas, you might give a few and then you open it up to the group and see if anyone else has any ideas. And like complimenting in this sense helps too. So you might be like, oh, Amanda, you used to really struggle with protein, but now you're absolutely nailing it. What clicks for you? Like, what was the change for you? And she'll be like, oh, I found these incredible high protein yogurts at Lidl. And it's just, that's been really helpful for me. Great. Like you kind of have to build this to start or it's not going to work. People love giving and they actually get a ton from it. And once you ease, like you ease people into this, and it does take a little bit of coaxing, but it also helps people who have been there longer remember how they, or basically remember how much they've come, how far they've come, why can I not speak? <laughs> it helps people remember how far they've come, partly because it might be problems that they had at the start and now they realize oh actually I can help someone else with this not only am am I over this myself but I can also help others with it and it kind of reduces the staleness for people who have been with you for months or years 
and and re-engages them a little bit and so I think that's like a another benefit of having these kind of cool calls and, and engaging people okay another question from the group hi question on group coaching Emma has mentioned to me about group coaching and I have been thinking so much about it how would you go about group coaching your existing clients when they all have different goals such as um, some have weight loss goals and some are here for accountability and maintaining weight loss some are still with me for fat loss some are working on their relationship with food I have it on my to-do list to do a podcast offering group coaching tomorrow but I think I will start a podcast well at least try okay um so I would say broadly the point of group coaching is that you should pick a problem and solve it or a bit of a niche and I saying that a lot of people's goals will change mainly because you're excellent at coaching and they might come for fat loss and then quite quickly they'll want to move to maintenance but that's not really an issue because the behaviors are quite similar like the behaviors are the same I've got loads of people on commit to six that are on maintenance and have strength goals for example and loads of people who are losing body fat like it doesn't really matter there's enough one-to-one support and enough individual targets there that they're supported towards their individual goals within a group like it's not you don't need to have everyone having exactly the same goals now if you had opposing goals for example a fat loss group but also people trying to recover from hypothalamic amenorrhea needing to gain weight I'd be like "Mm, I don't know if these two goals massively fit saying that if the overarching goal was health then yeah there's different routes to get like some people need to gain weight for health some people need to lose weight for health but those in that situation some of the messaging might conflict or some of the mindsets might conflict so you might be telling one group you know you should really try and go out more with your friends for dinner and that will help with increasing calories and you'll really enjoy it and maybe you need some more flexibility with food and then you might be telling another side "Mm, maybe not going out every single night for dinner or maybe you should pick the lower calorie option and actually we're trying to be a a bit tighter on calories unless they're literally opposing I don't think it's a problem having different goals within a group okay uh, second part of the question I was thinking with my journey and it not being an eight-week group coaching that I potentially could be offering something completely different where I take them through on a one-to-one basis specific nutrition goals and habits after a good consultation and a system in place to then have them be comfortable with group coaching and feel and that and really feel less icky for me I guess because I am seeing group coaching perhaps as our sorry I guess because I'm seeing group coaching perhaps very arrogantly as a blanket approach and knowing I wouldn't have done well with that. That said, I also listened to the group coaching video which has now sparked all these questions. So, a lot of people see group coaching as a lesser form of coaching, it is not. And I would say it's probably because you've not experienced good group coaching that that is your perception of it and is totally normal. And by the way, is exactly what Chloe thought when I was trying to get her to do the easy method. She was like, no, I'm not doing generic group coaching which is fair, right? And then I had to prove to her that actually it's not like that. And we have had incredible results from the EC method. In fact, I would say probably better than one-to-one results I've had. So having done both for years, as I said, people get incredible results in a group 
And there are actually unique benefits that you get from a group that you can't get one-to-one. Cost might be one of them, i.e. if you have, I don't know, a certain amount of money to devote to coaching, you will get far more from staying in a group for a longer period of time than a shorter period one-to-one. For example, if you're trying to work on, I don't know, your relationship with food or exercise or, or basically just form any kind of habits, you're far better working on mindset in a group for six months than you are one-to-one for two months, even though the price might be the same. There are also huge benefits from the group in terms of peer support that you just can't replicate one-to-one. And you don't truly see the benefits of these things until you do group coaching. One example is common humanity, which is hugely important for self-compassion and which in my opinion is more often than not like one of the keys to successful long-term fat loss because it means that you don't just give up every time you go slightly over your calories you're like okay everyone has a donut now and again I'm not going to beat myself up about this I'm going to get back on track and that's really fundamental to people getting results and there are three parts to self-compassion this isn't the podcast to go into all of them and I've done numerous ones on the ESG fitness podcast but anyway the first part is mindfulness of your thoughts and feelings so acknowledging how you feel and reflecting on it the second part is focusing on encouragement over criticism so how would you speak to someone who you actually want to encourage you wouldn't bully someone that you love into change but yet that's what we try to do to ourselves and the reason that people continue to go off track is often to numb the shame slash discomfort slash negative emotion that they feel or to distract themselves from that And when you accept it and label it, it becomes a hell of a lot easier. And then the third part that group coaching just does incredibly well is common humanity. Reminding yourself that no one is perfect, that we all overeat at times, that we all indulge at times or we miss a workout and that that doesn't make you a bad person. It makes you human. You don't need to beat yourself up for that. And also realise how counterproductive beating yourself up for that is. You are not uniquely broken. We all struggle with this stuff. It's universal. And you really see that in a group. Like, we all struggle with motivation sometimes. You're not weak for slipping up. Mistakes happen. Overeating happens. We're all imperfect. And it's not the slip-up that's the problem, because that's inevitable. It's your response to that slip-up that matters. And the common humanity element just shines through in a group, as you can literally see that others are struggling with the same thing as you. Or scale weight is another absolute classic. It's one thing me consistently saying, don't worry that you've put on two pounds over the weekend, it's definitely not fat. Or don't worry that it's been three weeks and you've been consistent and you've not actually seen weight loss yet. Because then Jenny pops up and is like, oh my God, Amanda, do not worry. I didn't see any weight loss for three weeks and I've just lost four pounds. That makes you, that's the difference between someone giving up and someone continuing for another few days and actually seeing the results of their fat loss over the last couple of weeks. It is so, so important. And it's just an incredible thing that you get from group coaching. Okay, last question. I am literally killing myself with weekly calls and take tonight as as an example. The check-ins are weekly on a Sunday. I record Monday, Tuesday, and then calls start tonight. Some of the conversations are great, Some are literally chatting about the same thing. Many just 
many just some uh, I don't know what that's meant to many just maybe many hmm? anyway some advice on offering them bi-weekly but then the whole group coaching that may start soon I don't want to muddy the water or change too much now if things will change in the not too distant future probably should have saved this for Emma now that I'm writing it out <laughs> yeah okay well we've got a call I think tomorrow although this is now Sunday anyway we will have had a call so we'll go over this one-to-one -one on the call and I think generally increasing price of one-to-one -one support and then limiting spaces and then offering a group option at a lower price will work really really well for this and distinguishing what you offer and then the lower the, sorry the increased price and limited spaces will mean that you're not constantly on calls and you're not constantly burnt out and the quality of the calls is really really important I would also add some prep for the calls so that there's more structure and I mean prep for both you and the client and I would make them shorter especially if they're turning into general chat you can always run over if you need a bit more time but set the expectations of I don't know a 40 minute call or a 20 minute call whatever you, you think that you need you certainly don't need an hour just in case anyone is listening and thinking an hour call a week is necessary it is certainly not and then if you do go over on the occasion you're kind of like over delivering and realistically most calls and meetings can be half the time without impacting the quality if they are well structured Okay, that's all the questions today. I hope this episode has been useful. If you want to join AFM, if you are ready to build your business, go over to afmentors.com and book a call with me. Let me show you how to reduce overwhelm and help you build a business that you love and that you are proud of.